We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello, welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the Night Stalker episode, The Burning Man. A man finds a mysterious wax figure in his pocket. Moments later, his body breaks out in blisters, and then he bursts out in flame, setting a gas station alight. Jane gets wind that an eyewitness said the man spontaneously combusted and brings in Kolchak and Perry. Kolchak notes that the M.O. is similar to the Terror Maker, a domestic terrorist that was killed by the FBI exactly one year ago. In fact, an article was in the beacon about it, the Terror Maker, the morning of this fire. Could it On be a copycat? On the front page. On the front page. Yeah. Could it be a copycat? Or is the Terror Maker still out there? The FBI's case was that the original Terror Maker had been a worker at a bioweapons facility, that he stole and had used an unknown bioweapon agent that caused human combustion, and that he was systematically targeting workers in the bioweapons industry. FBI profiler Panero and Beacon reporter Gorn chased the terror maker for 10 years before Panero's profile led them to the suspect. Now Gorn is a famous reporter with a book deal coming out and Panero, unable to deal with life after his 10-year quest, has shut himself up at home in semi-retirement with the blessings of the FBI. Kolchak is interested in the story because the original terror maker claimed to be killing his victims because his righteousness allowed him to conjure up hellfire, killing the victims. He thinks that the terror maker may not be dead and that it really might be hellfire copycat killer original killer biological agent hellfire no matter what the truth people are dying and there's a real story there just one problem gorn has claimed the story because of his work done previously and because of the book he's publishing about the case he doesn't want kolchak and perry working on the case but he's also not rocking the boat with the fbi which doesn't want the terror maker case reopened and has classified these crimes as copycats our intrepid duo ignore that and enlist the help of Agent Panero, who confirms that the MO is the same as the original Terror Maker, and further, that the people being killed were on the list he compiled of likely Terror Maker's victims. As the FBI arrests a copycat and claim to have closed the case, Kolchak and Panero close in on the real killer, Panero. After 10 years of profiling and getting into the head of the Terror Maker, Panero simply wasn't able to return to a normal life. The article in the Beacon about the anniversary triggered something in him, and he became the Terror Maker. He cooperated with Kolchak because he saw the same obsession in Coljack that he himself felt. Confronting the reality, Panero touches one of his own bioweapons agent Wax figures and burns to death in front of his wife and Coljack. The FBI closes the case as a copycat, but covers up what really happened. Gorn will proceed with his book publishing, and Coljack and the gang will shut up about the story. Coljack realizes that the monster Panero had been chasing actually caught up with Panero, and he wonders what will happen if his monster catches up with him. Okay, I'm just going to say, in in sort of, in the start, I thought, in a way, this was a bold move. We have a story here that has, as far as I can tell, no supernatural element whatsoever. Is that your reading on this? Pretty much, yeah. I mean... That's that's my reading on what what the intention is within the story. I have, I guess, uh, a question mark over this biological agent that causes people to actually combust. But uh, maybe yeah. maybe we can come back to this. What I what I did note was at the end of the day. 
say Kolchak is wrong. Kolchak is convinced this is hellfire and and supernatural. Goran says, no, it's copycat. In, yep. in reality, it is a copycat. Goran's right, Kolchak's wrong. Yes, yes. Tangentially right and wrong a little bit. I mean, Kolchak is... Yeah, it's not Hellfire, right. Gorn is wrong because he's parroting the FBI line, which is, you know, they don't bother to mention that it was Panera. <laughs> it's like, in the end, yeah. they, they, I don't know, do they frame an innocent man or do they, you know, are they perpetrating a cover-up at the FBI? Yes, they are. It's to avoid themselves more embarrassment. And, and everyone goes along with it. But, you know, yes, it was not, it was not Hellfire. It was not a killer come back from the grave. It was not any of those things that we are led to expect from a Night Stalker episode. Uh, or, you know, this is early in this series' run, and it's not the original Night Stalker, so yeah, the formula is different. But, you know, as I was watching through this, I'm like, you know something? There's nothing actually supernatural here. This is an there, FBI killer case profiler thing. In, yeah, well, ultimately, that was my reading of it. Obviously, there are a few red herrings strewn along the path in order to lead you down the the, the notion that Kolchak is right that it is a supernatural killer but at the same time there are things that make you think oh that, that they're just there to throw some doubt on that or to set up a twist mm-hmm. and and yes in the end you come back to the idea that well now actually those things were right it is a copycat killer the the ideas that Kolchak were pursuing were as nuts as everyone told him they were but one of the points where you kind of think, oh, is this is this the way the story is going is where you have Perry, who's your kind of viewer proxy voice of reason on the screen, mm-hmm. looking at the files and going, well, actually, the FBI's version of this doesn't entirely stack up because we have incidents here where there was someone who combusted without touching a wax figure. And there are incidents of someone who touched a wax figure and didn't combust. And the implication from that is, that it's not the wax figure it's the bringing down hellfire right and that's never quite explained although you can see there would be ways of explaining it without resorting to the supernatural if well they, they could be what? they could be wrong so the case of the guy at the gas station the gas station at the beginning they didn't find a wax figure but we the audience know that there was one yes and there so. was an explanation for that and equally you could have a wax figure that hadn't been coated for some reason either deliberately or by mistake so there are there are there are explanations for those anomalies, but um, simpler story than he- Hellfire, quite, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, oh, in, oh, in the real God, world, yeah. Occam's razor simpler than Hellfire. There are other reasons, like we didn't know he did touch one because he's a dead guy, and maybe yeah. he didn't notice it, or you know, something you know went wrong. We don't know how the well, we do actually know how the Hellfire is sort of prepared, or the wax is prepared because we saw it. But you know, the FBI wouldn't know that. Maybe they have to prepare a batch each time, and he just did it wrong. Yeah, you know, something something just that simple. It's not a hundred percent effective weapon um so yeah no to 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 me that's that's fair enough and perfectly plausible and i think it's more realistic that the fbi would have a case especially a 10-year case and that's the part i find troublesome about this is that it was a 10-year case i mean how many people did this guy kill how often did he kill those people over that was it one a year 10 a year one every three days like this killer is Well, well, we don't we don't know. I mean, this this killer this killer is obviously doing it at, a, at quite a rate. We know that the the original killed enough people for it to be compared to the Unibomber. So it's it's a mm. it's a, a large number and a high profile high profile case. And yeah, I mean, the, the, uh, so I'll mention this now. Me me questioning the news values of. 
the beacon or maybe it was just a slow day but the 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 guy getting arrested or the you know think think about the unibomber getting arrested yes that that is front page news Mm -hmm. a a year later a year as in just the anniversary of the arrest someone's probably going to write about that that that's probably a prompt for doing some kind of retrospective story you know what's happened since then look back on the whole case kind of thing stick it on the front page and i'm gonna say yes and i'll tell you why come on gorn Gorn, his book the beacon is fanning his book Uh, well yeah all right he seems to have enough pull at the paper and you know enough profile that that i could see them playing it up because you know it's it's mutually i mean it's not mentioned in the course and and you are absolutely correct i didn't think of it but i mean you are absolutely correct that that is not worthy of a front page story. And no, you could and, sort of dismiss it as being well television shorthand. But if we wanted to 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 you know try to fit it in the universe, it does make sense that Gorn would want people to remember about it if he's getting ready for a book run. It's totally te- it's totally television shorthand because because we're standing there in the ruins of the burnt out petrol station, and Kolchak comes along wanting to spin his you know crazy theory about what's actually happened there and so he you know he picks out the the newspaper as a prop as a as a kind of way of making the info dump i don't know a little bit more visually interesting but Mm -hmm. i i i wasn't i was i it struck me immediately as like television shorthand and therefore it failed in the sense of it, 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 there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with uh, with a bit of uh, well constructed explanation it's just it has to be well enough constructed that it appears to be part of the story i think you might have felt differently about it might 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 if we had been introduced to the whole notion that gorn existed and that he was working on a book and that there was a thing about the terror maker but because I, they, I, well, they introduced the newspaper paper first i mean just out of the blue of course you know it's just like well that's convenient <laughs> so I, i'm not I, I i don't think i don't think it's a, a leap that you're making in order to draw the parallel between goran and his book and this thing being puffed up on the front page but i kind of say actually there's something more symptomatic of the way in which Goran, Goran is a there's a, there's potentially an interesting story, an interesting character in Goran, but the way they set it up in the offices of the Beacon doesn't quite hang right with me. And I, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but what 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 do you think Goran's there for in this story? <clears throat> Obviously, he's an obstacle to, uh, uh-huh. to give them a little extra time. Um, I and, and 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 he's and he's there in part to to represent something of an establishment. Yes, and therefore to define not just Kolchak but also uh, Perry Jane and even Vincenzo as being part of you know outsiders against the system. Vincenzo sides with them and rebels with them. Mm-hmm. I, I have some questions here about Gorn, and, and I and I think you know is he a good reporter gone soft with age or with comfort? Because I think that's how they portray it, him. It, is well, is he complicit but, with the FBI? People accuse him of it, but is he yeah. actually being? You know, they're saying, "Look, this is how we want the story to go," or is he simply being? Okay, that's what my source says. Okay, I'm I'm in. I'm I'm Gorn. I'm the great reporter. I'm, I'm th- I think these are really good questions. And, and and did you feel you got an answer? No. No, I didn't feel I got an answer. Um, I, I did feel that, you know, in the end, he won. Not only was he quote-unquote right, but he, he won. And I did think it was interesting that Kolchak was the one that was willing to go along with it first. You know, it's just like, 
Um, okay, fine. With that, we're gonna go. You know, Tony's giving them how the story is. Jane and Perry are complaining. Oh, but we got the, the thing, and then Kolchak's like, "Now nah, we're going with it. Fine, we're good." And and, and I, I'm not sure why he did that. Well, I was going to say, but it's I, interesting that he that he was the person that that said, "Yeah, no, we'll just. This is not a fight to fight." Um, but no, I and I'd be interested if Gorn returns because is he just is he just here for this one case because he is the senior reporter who had uh, who had prior dibs on this story and the beacon is vested in him because I think I'm not a hundred percent sure because I'm not big on on being a newspaper groupie but I do think that major newspapers do have major reporters and that uh-huh. stories by those major reporters do sell newspapers I believe uh-huh. that's a true Woodward and Burns kind of stuff you know they're working for papers they're doing investigative reporting their their names are known and because they're known that paper has cachet with with the with the public and so the beacon you know the beacon has a reason to build him up it's not just because he sure. did the case sure yeah it, it's mutually beneficial to them so i understand why they would side with him in many cases especially if the fbi is <clears throat> I, I yes, I'm, the ending of this is a little tr- prob- problematic for me. But at the same time, I think it's more about Kolchak realizing he could be the guy that goes nuts here. <laughs> in the end, well, yeah, I mean, there are there are some fairly fairly obvious parallels there. But I mean, to, to the, on the on the question of of how newspapers work, I'm obviously neither a journalist nor it nor in any way informed about the the, the kind of u.s system and and you know the, the thing of the, the national versus the city desk is a bit of a surprise to me because we kind of have mostly well either local newspapers or national newspapers um i always thought the beacon was a local paper so in this well, story when they got local to that paper, do you do you have national papers because the newspapers that we hear about you having over there are you know the 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 New York Times or the the Washington Post, and presumably the New York Times is a New York paper, and the well, Washington Post is a Washington paper. Let's then let's step back. Or is this like the Manchester to, Guardian, which is, is we have now. to go back in time to when this story was made, you know, as opposed to now. Okay, thirteen paper, years. Papers like the New York Times in you know when when I was a kid, so up, back, way back to old Coljack time, you couldn't get okay. one in Arizona. I mean, it was, yeah. there might be one or two bookstores in your town that would carry an issue or two and they'd be like a day out of date or you could go down and run them in the archives of the of the library uh, at some point. But they just weren't, you know, papers were local. Now, and, and you know, presumably the only the paper I have a subscription to is the New York Times. Local papers. You know, in this day and age. Uh-huh. So, because they have, you know, they always had, when they would pick up a story, a big national story and run with it, it's out of the New York Times. I believe that basically that story would get picked up by the other papers, like the right. Los Angeles Times, or they would they would yeah. be spread around if they were big enough to make the newspaper rounds, obviously with full credit and, and whatnot to the original source. But with the internet now, you know, this is and and better mail distribution and printing and, and whatnot that they can that you know, I I can get a New York Times at the quick trip down the street where I get my hot dog and a soda on you know, for breakfast. And uh it's um it, it is a different time. So I don't know. I, I just from the, the context of from the context of the show so far, I thought the beacon was a local California paper, not uh-huh. substituting in for the Los Angeles Times, which is a little bit like the New York Times in that it, it has a bigger reach than just Los Angeles. Yeah. 
So, and, and 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 employing a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, right, right, and and so, yes, I I was surprised by the city desk, national desk, but then I guess uh, I guess that's and of course, if the Beacon is part of a family of newspapers, then the national desk obviously is where okay, they're writing yeah. their stories. You know that that, that immediately go to the the Florida Beacon and the uh, and, and whatever. So. Yeah. So uh, w- uh, yeah, and I guess then it would it would just ha- so happen that Goran was was based in Los Angeles. But I mean that 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 make that makes some sense. But it still feels to me like, um, particularly when you say you had a sense that that the Beacon was actually a local paper. That that what what the story is demanding in here from the character of Goran is the 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 creation of and within the newspaper office because obviously there are executives referred to who we don't see of some kind of of hierarchy and and obviously newspapers have hierarchies have editors and so forth but from what i understand about the way british newspapers work which yeah okay is mostly from me seeing fictionalized newspapers on british tv but it would be that there would be uh, a culture of competition between journalists that if you had more than one journalist pursuing different angles of a story, then, you know, the best the best version of the story would be the one that get printed and the others would get spiked and editors would encourage that kind of competition. And there would be a kind of mutual distrust amongst journalists. And yes, some sort of uh, kind of natural uh, hierarchy or pecking order. Um, But it would be much more about who your sources were. And that's what you would be protective of. You wouldn't want another journalist who was a rival, even if they were on your own paper, being able to have access to your sources unless there was something set up you know some cooperative venture between journalists recognized by the editor within the paper mm. whereas what seems to be happening here is that that kind of that kind of uh, positive competition with different journalists coming at different angles of the same story and using different sources is being shut down by executives who we can't see and have no real sense of in the way that would yes it would make sense if we we were talking about i don't know let's say the fbi mm-hmm. and you know someone leaning on skinner but that's because you have a different organization that is very much governed by hierarchy and where those kind of politics are very very much more important and yes that would show which side uh, skinner was on that he was you know one of the the good guys preparing to prepare to sort of stand up for, for his people in much the same way vincenzo is shown here as being prepared to stand up for his people but it seemed to me that was the purpose of introducing this hierarchy rather than it actually being something that seems organic within a news organization. So I, I don't I don't know what the dynamics of a byline are. Uh, I think that there may be, you know, there may be some territorial claims that if someone has already run a story, um, that they have, you know, dibs on part of the byline, if not all, then part of the byline for follow-up stories that may be handled by other reporters. Abs- Obviously, abs- absolutely. Junior, and, and, and I think I think that is universal. Okay, but what I think here is confusing this issue, and it's unfortunate because we haven't established it before we started this, and I don't think they did a good enough job setting it up, is I still think this is the executives protecting Gorn's book more than wanting to get the story. Well, right? they're, see, sh- they're I, shutting I, that I, down. Yeah, it's like... Well, I, I, see, I would, I would question that because, f- f- first of all, 
it, they, they are shutting down the story. So is is that deliberate? It doesn't seem to me that it's in the interest of the book to do that. At I mean, the end, let's, yes. Let's be, let's be clear about it. It's, it's pretty draconian what they're doing because they're actually saying to Vincenzo, look, it, it, never, never mind whether this guy gets a byline or whatever. It's just the fact that he's literally out there asking questions and talking to his own sources about someone else's story that's going to get you fired. Like, yeah. Is the reaction okay. much? Yeah, that, that, that is, that's over. Yes, I agree. That's overreacting. That's, that's either, you know, just really bad or we're supposed to think that they're really, really in the pocket of Gorn who doesn't, who, who we are portrayed is Gorn doesn't want to rock the boat. And you, you have to work on the assumption that he doesn't want more of this case. Neither does the FBI, right? So those two interests sure. set aside don't want Kolchak and Perry finding anything else new about this. They want this neat and tidy. It's as, as Panero said, it was a black eye for the FBI and they don't want any more hints that they got the wrong guy. They don't want any more uh, embarrassment about this story. They want it shut down. Panero wants his, or uh, Gorn wants his sources with the FBI to be happy because they're cooperating with him on the book. The publishers want Gorn to be happy with the FBI happy. They've all, it is all a corrupt little circle that wants to shut that thing down. I don't think that's the normal operation. Except let's just, let's unpick some of those particular interests because, okay, from, from the FBI's point of view, they are clearly going to want this book to be as favorable to them as possible. So they're going, they're going to want to feed Goran whatever they can to put themselves in a good light and give him insider stuff in exchange for his, his, his version of the case being a, being a favorable one. And from Goran's point of view, that, that gives him some insider access for the book. And yeah, there's a, yeah, so there's a bit of a, a corrupt, a, a little circle of corruption going on there. Now clearly Kolchak coming along and rocking the rocking the boat with Goran's FBI sources is going to be a problem and he's going to want to shut that down. All all that is perfectly understandable. However, that's all assuming that everyone is on the level, right? It, mm. that, that, all, that all makes sense, even if people are just looking after their own interests. The FBI is looking after their own interests that I've just outlined. Goran's looking after his own interests that I've just outlined. Now, what we get at the, at the end with the resolution, where it turns out that Pinero is the copycat, mm. that's at least as good a story, and one that the Beacon has and doesn't need FBI sources for, yes. as, as the Overton story is yes that's got to be at least as good for the book I, so well, why why would they then continue to collude with the fbi unless there is some genuine conspiracy here there that goran is actually uh properly properly corrupt and is sabotaging his own book in order to protect the fbi's interests I, I, yes, I, I I follow that. I mean, it is it does seem to me like the FBI gets what they want, which is we don't look like we killed the wrong guy a year ago. I think that's well, what not the FBI a, not, no, well, but, it's, but, not but that, it's not that anymore because they didn't kill the wrong guy. They didn't exactly. So they they're but getting what they, what they want. What they but, don't get is it wasn't an, is they don't get the story that it was an FBI agent gone gone nuts. bad. Yeah. that then started a, a spate of serial killings. Right. So that's a completely different. That's a completely different 
setup than what we're given to all the way up to this point, right? Mm -hmm. So as, as you point out, it's it's all about the FBI not reopening this investigation and finding out that maybe they got the wrong guy. You know, they're vested in it being a copycat. They're vested in being a copycat. That's all they care about until this last moment when we find out the copycat was the FBI agent. And that's a new thing that they don't want publicized. I don't know what they gave Gorn to, to go along with that. You know, you're a famous national crime reporter. How would you like not to have any more FBI sources for the rest of your career. Who knows? Well, no, well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I can't buy that. I, it's the, the problem I have at the end of it is I still don't have any sense of God. So is, the, is this guy a chancer who's got where he is by schmoozing and pure luck? In which case, yeah, maybe maybe it is because he wants to stay in with the FBI. Um, certainly we don't get any sense that, that uh, well, we get some, some sense of Perry having at least some respect for him, but no kind of genuine admiration and, and certainly not from, from Kolchak. We do have the Pulitzer, which I guess they don't kind of dish out like candy bars or whatever. But um, that, yeah, I mean that kind that that kind of mitigates against the idea of his being chance. Or is he? Which I would have thought was the more interesting uh, notion. Is is he the kind of um, good journalist gone soft? Which is what you suggested, and what seems like the natural interpretation. Except the evidence isn't there in the story. Right. Because if he is the good journalist gone soft. Where the hell are his news instincts that at the end of it, he's just taking what the FBI is feeding him with, without realising that it's complete manure? Well, I, you know, again, part of the problem here is that the story was a 10-year story. This guy was apparently on it for 10 years. That's a, that's a heck of a long time to be chasing one killer. And a couple of problems with that is, you know, maybe Gorn was a great reporter. Maybe that's why he won the Pulitzer Prize, because his investigation helped put the guy away. That would be the kind of thing that would get you the Pulitzer for a prize like that, that he had followed along, that his digging helped the FBI catch the guy. The problem is we never see any evidence of that whatsoever. What we get yeah. is that Panero spent 10 years getting under that guy's brain and he caught him not Gorn yeah. and, and, or, or that it wasn't even a team effort it was like a parallel effort where they maybe had some and, and obviously Gorn had a lot of research material on this in his book and he had stuff that the FBI left out or put behind so I mean he did some work but there's no evidence that it helped catch the guy in the end and no and, 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 that, and I think that's fair enough and it makes him no less of a journalist in the sense that his job is to report on the investigation and to report on behalf of the public what, you know, what was going on. Is that the and difference between a reporter and an investigative reporter? Well, I think, it, I mean, things still investigative reporting if you are investigating what it is the, the FBI is doing. Um, it, it's bringing facts to life, to, 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 to public light uh, on behalf of the public and um, revealing things that the FBI might not want known. So investigation is involved in it, even if you're not investigating the actual crime itself. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that we're going to get an answer because I think it is... They've thrown this whole thing, this whole hierarchy with Gorn and everything into this one story that's not previously been seen. And, uh, you know, it, I guess it's going to depend on how if it, if it if it plays out in any further stories. Um, one I'm thing betting that, it works. Uh, <laughs> 
Well, probably not. Um, it will also be interesting to see how many more stories are actually not in some way supernatural like this. Um, it's kind of a weird reverse. There used to be a thing that would happen and you might have a long running, I'll call it an ordinary show, just, you know, a family drama or, or whatever. And they'd go many years and then suddenly one episode, there might be a ghost in it. And, you know, you'd think it's a ghost, and but it turns out it's not really a ghost. And then when you end the episode, they always leave you with something that's like, no, no, there really was a ghost here. It just, there was also a ghost in a, you know, they throw in that supernatural element in a show that would normally steer miles away from it. And this is yeah. just a weird kind of flip back. Right. It's like, you know, not everything is supernatural, Kolchak. He, I think, I think this may have been a criticism you leveled at the, uh, uh, at the original series that uh, every time he goes in on one of these, it, it always, it always turns out to be right. So I, I think. Well, you, you, you took, you took the words out of my mouth i mean i think you're you're that's an interesting point my favorite example of that by the way is is um the bill which is very kind of uh kitchen sink sort of uh police procedural mm -hmm. well sort of, yeah not even necessarily a procedural but but then you get a christmas episode where you you know you get a, a real elf or something and um and so it kind of it, it's kind of very sort of jarring in the context of what the show is normally about Right. For me, I I quite like the idea of of doing this in something like Night Stalker, because why should every story turn out to be supernatural? Even if you've got a reporter like Kolchak who is interested in the supernatural, that's only going to mean that you're going to pursue stories that have unusual elements that, you know, maybe point in that direction. And that's clearly the case here. Hmm. I, I, th I think the question for me would be, okay, supernatural stuff aside, is this an interesting story? Hmm. If if you didn't have, if you were just tuning in for this one e episode and you did, you, you you weren't really that interested in the supernatural. It was just, you know, an investigative series. Is this an interesting story? It's kind of hard to make that judgment for me because it's not typically the kind of story that I would be interested in. I, you know, I wouldn't tune well, in for uh, an investigative journalist show. That, that would not be my milieu. Or, so. or, a, or a cop show. I mean, I'm... Yeah. So I, I guess... You're not a sort of Law and Order fan or anything like that, right? Whereas, whereas I will happily, uh, well, certainly with Law and Order, I will happily laugh it up. And as long as it has an interesting story, then it's going to keep me hooked. So if this if this is an interesting story, and you know, with it with it, as long as it's kind of set up like within the confines of the show, yes, so the the interest is in supernatural. But if some stories come along, they turn out not to be supernatural, but they're interesting stories. I'm fine. Okay. Was it an and, interesting and story for you then, in that context? It could have been. It could have been. I think because I think I think there are a number of potential interesting characters: Goran, who we talked about, uh, Pinero, who we we haven't really. And I think that there are really interesting questions around. Um, I mean, well, vigilantism has been done a number of times, but but here you've actually got a, an interesting moral question because you're dealing with victims who are all in some way culpable of being involved in the bioweapons industry, which mm. is pretty nasty. But that's not touched on here. That is, that is not kind of... We don't have any sense of actually what 
it was in these um what what it was in their jobs that, that these people actually did or why it was we have we have no sense of the actual original genuine terror maker of what it was who motivated him which would be relevant even if we as we as we do we never see him because pinero knows him and it it it's that that kind of it it's that which must connect Pinero to him to the point of basically fusing to him in this way. It's fair. That's a that's a completely fair and valid analysis. And I think you know, in the end, the point of this story was for Kolchak to be self-reflective. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it wasn't about catching the killer. It wasn't about any of that. It was all about giving us an opportunity for Kolchak to recognize that his demons may be chasing him. Yeah. And so I'll ask this question. I you know, the series didn't go on as long as they wanted it to, so we we may not ever have an answer to this question. Was this part of the arc so that we would see something later in Kolchak? You know, will this be one of those ones where previously on Night Stalker and we flash back to this whole bit about well, it's know, not the a, victim it's, taking over. It's not a plot arc, but it's a, it's certainly a character arc. Character arc, yeah. yeah. Because it's odd that this one had a whole bunch of the previously on Night Stalker you know, where they hit all the plot points about his backstory and chasing yeah. it and then really ignore it. For the most part, except for the bit where Perry's telling him about, you know, sometimes the monsters catch you and da, 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 da. so I, I just wonder if maybe that's why this is an odd duck out is so that we can, you know, have that moment later on when Kolchak goes nuts and becomes a killer or, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever it happens to be. Well, um, yeah, I mean, may, may, I mean, I guess I guess one thing is the story doesn't demand that this is not a supernatural story in order to do that true but it does um, give Kolchak the opportunity to learn and in in the same way that scully learned through the course of the x-files coming from the no it isn't to the all right i've seen some weird stuff right to the point where she's willing to back Mulder on some of his crazier stuff towards towards the end even though she's always you know with that skeptical but here's Kolchak doing the reverse this this is this is a chance well i mean there's there's a bit of both perry's also she says she's seen a lot of crazy stuff Mm -hmm. he's been there he's been there two months interesting you get a very specific um insight into where this story occurs in the timeline he's been there two months right so fourth episode two months so they're they're running about so this is this two weeks this is a, per episode yeah they, they've been airing for about one month and they're, they're two two months down the line but obviously there there's there's a great deal of familiarity uh, a kind of a, a closeness in the way the team has, has built which i guess comes from the intensity of the experiences they've had rather than the length time they've been doing them for that, that seems reasonable um i, I like I, I mean I, I i liked the character moments in this and i thought was, you know there was a very Mulder and scully moment for perry as well where uh kolchak says admit that there may be more to this world than reason alone can explain and perry says reason's all we have mm-hmm. you think that yeah okay I, I can get where i can get what's making her tick and it is very much that kind of scully perspective and kolchak comes back with and reason's not enough then yeah. it's not enough i i have it written down because that was a an important moment um as as you pointed out we haven't talked about panero um and i'm gonna i'm gonna skip over him for a second and say um just how flipping awesome is Tony Vincenzo. Yes. I, I, <laughs> yes, it's a good episode for Vincenzo. He is... I, I I like the actor who played Tony Vincenzo in the original series. And despite the fact that he might seem like the kind of character that you would hire for Big and Bluster, kind of like a Brian Blessed... <laughs> 
you know, has yeah. a stereotype that plays with that he frequently did. I have seen him in other roles where he could be, you know, the tough, gruff, fair, uh, you know, exactly this kind of role that this Tony Vincenzo has. Um, so, you know, it's it's not an actor thing. It's the writing. And they've nailed this. They've nailed Tony Vincenzo. This is what we need him to be. Yes. Um, Though, again, I get, I mean, I still, I still, I've said this before, right? The way that Vincenzo operates is the way you would expect someone who is effective in mm-hmm. that job to right. operate because he is you know he's giving encouragement to his reporters he's giving support to his reporters he is standing up for his reporters and taking risks that, for them yeah and that works for him because they do a better job and that reflects well on him also you know maybe he's a better kind of human but the the thing that struck me as again being slightly odd is that um or no maybe i would maybe i'll withdraw that question but it, it he, he he would probably start by going into to goran's office to protest on their behalf it just seems to me slightly strange that we never see the editor or any of the executives who are supposed to be pulling the strings and that and Hmm. therefore it has to be a kind of straight confrontation between Vincenzo and Goran and we don't see um we don't see when he goes in with the executives we don't see that because as you point out we don't see the executives so we have no idea how hard he fought or what no we don't understand the context in which he is operating because all we get is the scene with Goran and then we get later on Perry saying you know Vincenzo is being held personally responsible for the actions of Kolchak and the team and that you know his job's on the line Mm. I also like that he seems to be hmm, how do I want to put this in in the old series, when Vincenzo would be presented with something that Kolchak thought was weird, Vincenzo would immediately start to try to shut him down. Yeah. And in this one, and we've seen it before, but we see it again here, you know, the real world explanation is the only one I'm interested in. Kolchak, go dig up your stuff, you know? Yeah. He's, but you've got to present it to me in such a way that I'm going to print it. And, and he doesn't dismiss the value of Kolchak looking into whatever angle he pursues. Because if he can find the evidence for it, he's fine with it. And which you know, again, I'm sure you've said that many a time in our coverage of the old of the old, of the old <laughs> series, or words to that effect. So, well, it, it's 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 like you have a scene in this in this version with Vincenzo, where at the end of the scene, you don't find yourself questioning why he's still employing Kolchak, and in fact, it's 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 almost the opposite because you get a scene where Vincenzo actually explains quite cogently and logically what the pressures are that are that are applying to him, i.e., why they ought to hand this story over to Goran and seems to be chewing them out that they haven't actually developed anything and then kind of uses that as a as a get out a nod and a wink to say yeah go do your stuff mm. yeah so Vincenzo good let's talk about Panero um he, he's not a terribly well developed character throughout the course of this he just kind of mousies no. around a bit but does he know but, you mean does question. he know that he is what the he's doing cat. himself is he helping yeah. Kolchak is is he helping Kolchak hoping that whole Kolchak will catch him is I can't I, I quite think, tell. I think I think I I, I, the sense I got from it was that he is under a compulsion that is born out of an obsession with the real terror maker and he needs for the actions he, he needs not just to do it but for them to have attention and that's partly you know his his connection to Kolchak is a way of correcting what Goran is getting printed in the beacon okay but, uh, I, that that's what I think because to me okay, so again Pinero I think is an is an is a promising character 
character in this story who whose whose promise isn't quite realized because at at the start when he's introduced and you just see his feet coming down the stairs and he sees that file in the waste paper basket and he gets flashes it's such a heavy signal that you think oh right he is the terror maker or at least he has become the terror maker mm-hmm. and then they're going out of their way to set that up and you particularly think that because you have this very um odd scene where uh, you get this explanation that he, he's not talked to any journalists for a year and so Perry and Kolchak go up to his front door and they don't even try to see him. They just try to, to pass the file to his wife. You think, well, at least at least you'd think they'd try and maybe fail. But Was this so, before or after they got warned off the case the first time? Th- this, is, this, is the, this is the first time. I, haven't, I don't think they'd been warned off the case at this point. No, no, they haven't been warned off the case at this point. But they had already been to see Gorn and they got they got from Gorn kind of basically, I don't need you. Yeah. So they were already knowing that they were kind of stepping on his toes. So maybe they yeah, were but it just discreetly it, trying to It's no more discreet because that because Panero knows where the file is coming from and they could do that just as well. But it felt contrived. It felt contrived Fair enough. somehow somehow it it seemed to be important to the plot. I mean it wasn't. <laughs> it seemed to be important to the plot. They didn't see this character character this mysterious character who was going to turn out to be terror maker that 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 obviously wasn't exactly how it came to, to pass except it, it was because he did turn out to be terror maker. <laughs> right. but instead the the plot seemed to take a, a sort of slight sideways turn on that and and you did and so you start to get get this building relationship between kolchak and pinero that to me was just about the most interesting thing in the episode because of how reserved pinero was and that the, the it just kind of gave the episode attention to see how he reacted to things and in particular how his wife reacted to him which was the best thing the best thing about it that there was something about him that she was worried about or frightened of mm-hmm. something to and do you with didn't the case. Know, and you, something to do with the case or something to do with his behavior or his connection to the case or his obsession with the case and far more than him talking about his own obsession her reaction conveyed that incredibly powerfully and gave you a, a gave the whole thing a kind of sense of oh, I, I you really want to know you know what it is that that she's worried about and then obviously it turns out that what she's worried about is that he is the copycat killer is that very obvious thing that they flagged up in the first place and to me that that was slightly disappointing but there were moments there where Pinero and Kolchak were going were kind of going around as a sort of double act and kicking indoors and things that i thought was quite an interesting thing within the episode i i you know i thought that you know in hindsight looking at it knowing that panero is the is the uh, copycat and and why he's the copycat or what appears to be the copycat you know i think earlier in the episode when he sends the note when he he uh burns somebody uh, these are sort of generic you know he, he's trying to get it in the press he's trying to get it brought back in front of people he's trying to get it going and as the episode goes on as you say he sort of builds up he builds up a rapport with Kolchak that he does not build up with the other with Perry of course he has less interaction with her but but he genuinely seems to be collaborating with Kolchak on finding this so is he trying to get caught is that his ultimate goal is that that he get caught and and by helping Kolchak because he is helping Kolchak track himself down well I I mean I'm not sure of the psychology of it but I think I think there's a there is an argument to be made that inevitably he 
his his goals are inseparable from ending up getting caught because he assuming this is a compulsion so he needs to he needs to express the 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 terror maker through these killings and he needs them to have that attention sooner or later that is going to lead to him getting caught and he can't stop and he can't be any more discreet about it so so yeah i guess and is he well again we're we're, we're talking about somebody who is let's be unkind nuts uh, and he, <laughs> is he carrying on is part of why he's carrying on the terror makers work because the people that he's killing are truly that awful that they're working in bioweapons i mean is it is it just simply because he's locked into that guy's head and therefore must continue on his work or does he i guess that would be part and parcel of that i mean well that absolutely that that to me comes back to my question about is this an interesting story and those are interesting questions and there's no explana- no exploration of them, let alone explanation of them. <laughs> is Panero's... Oh, okay, how about if we phrase it this way? Is Panero's motivation the same as the terror maker? Does, Again, does that yeah, make Does that make sense? The, the, the way I put the question is, in the, is he committing the murders because the terror maker would have committed the murders for the reasons the terror maker would have committed the murders? Or is he committing them because he is too vested in the case of the terror maker? And I, I don't know we have an answer there but it's it it's interesting to ask um do do we have an answer there i I mean i find it i i find it interesting because the the question comes down to i mean it's like a it's a form of radicalization if the terror maker is this is this nutter but he's a true believer in the righteousness of what he's doing could pinero has somehow become radicalized by his cause even though he hadn't actually spoken to the terror maker directly all he'd done was profile him and track him Mm -hmm. or is it or is it or is it something else where it's it's much more like being a copycat where it's not necessarily the the particular cause or the particular driver that's that's made the terror maker do these acts that is of interest to Pinero. it's actually the fact that he has become so invested in the man's character and his personality that he has to give that personality expression somehow and that has to be through committing the acts that the terror maker would be committing if he was still alive mm. yeah and I, well i guess in that way uh, yeah we're not gonna get that answer and those are i will admit those are the kind of questions that you can walk out of an episode of a tv show and not know the answers to and i'm fine with that i don't need to know the answers, i don't need to know the it, answer. would been, it would have been interesting to explore the questions yeah yeah Okay, uh, I don't have anything else in specific. I have one other thing, but I'm going to save it for the last thing. So is there anything else that you want to catch on this uh, episode? Um, the only thing that I would kind of me- mention, I don't know how much this has crossed the pond to you, but it seemed to me, and, and again, this this is perhaps why it seems odd that the question of morality around the use of these these biological agents wasn't explored more, But it, but it's topical for us in the UK because it's, at the time of us recording this, it's a, a few weeks since um, the case of Sergei Skripal, who was an ex-Russian agent, who was uh, who who coming home to his home in Salisbury in in the UK, where he'd um, been exchanged by the Russians, where he he touched his his doorknob, which had been coated by a chemical agent, 
uh, and he and his daughter uh, were nearly killed and ended up in in hospital and there was a, a you know a, a, a huge scare over here because uh, there was a, a member of the uh, police force who was also affected by the chemical agent and obviously a a, a contamination issue so so the the whole question of biological agents like this is is and and the kind of the potency of them the idea that just through a through a touch something as horrific as um, spontaneous combustion more than that it can boil a swimming pool i still think it is fairly fantastic but it's perhaps less fantastic looking at it now in 2018 than it would have seemed in 2005 the terror maker was just trying to protect you and he failed (laughs) um so here is the one thing that i wanted to mention on this uh i sat and watched this episode yesterday with my wife and we were watching it and uh when the episode was done she just turned to me and she said and i quote this i miss the old kolchak's charm good grief And then she, and then she kind of stopped, and she said, well, "Charm's not quite the right word. It's his, it's his, <laughs> well, silly it's words his, that I would never have expected it, to hear." It's, it's his, it's his, uh, and she just kind of couldn't come up with a word. And she finally, well, I'm gonna have to live, leave it at charm. And I said, "Well, I'm quoting this. I'm just I, gonna say, I I'm quoting ob- this right ob- now." Obnoxiousness, perhaps. I think she's going for personality as a whole because this guy doesn't have yes. much of one. He's pretty. I, I low-key. will agree with that. Yes, uh, milk toast might be the thing. So, I mean, Colt. Kolchak can be amusing. I mean, he's yes, he's obnoxious, but the old Kolchak could be funny. He could be insightful. He could be a jerk. Um, you know, he could be all of those things. He was all over the place. And I think this guy is just a little too um, staid. And, and yeah. you know, Mulder is not. I, I compare him to Mulder here. Mulder could be all of those things, too. Yes. In a diff- you know, he had more personality than, than this Kolchak does. And I think that's a oh, failing goodness. here. Well, yes. More time to develop, too. But, I mean, from the word go, you know, from the pilot, Mulder had more personality than... The, 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 the pilot is, I mean, looking, looking at it now, it's, it's an exceptionally strong opening. Um, you know, as 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 pilots go, it it's it's remarkable how fully formed the show and the characters of Mulder and Scully are. Yes, in in that, and and there isn't uh, there isn't a fraction of that four episodes into the Night Stalker. In no. my view, you can see they're copying the formula and they're trying. You know, they're trying to do a, a revision to it, but they're, they're not catching. They're not catching the magic. Whether that's yeah. entirely and, writing, and think, entirely the, the actors. That, what I don't know. The thing that is missing a bit for me is this: is that in and I, I guess this isn't entirely a failing of the show or its producers, but the X Files came along and there really, there really hadn't been anything quite like the X Files. Fresh, I mean, despite the fact we're talking about it, uh, the the Kolchak or have been talking about Kolchak because of its influence on the X-Files. Still, the X-Files was a show in its own right. Mm-hmm. And so that ep- that episode is remarkable, not just for, for how good it is, how well it stands up looking back at it now, having watched the rest of the series, but also for how confident it could be in what the show was about when nothing like that had been around before. And the problem with this show, seem, it seems to me, is I don't have a sense of what it actually is. So we're sitting here comparing it to Kolchak, the, 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 the seven 
74 series and we're we're comparing it to the x-files which it's obviously heavily influenced by in terms of the, the kind of formula style and expectations presumably of the network and in some ways it does feel like a very mature show it's very slick and glossy and i think the these roots it has this heritage if you like um do give it a kind of do give it a, a kind of confidence but it's as you say it's applying a formula that it's got from elsewhere mm-hmm. so and, it's, it's, and it's almost like creation. we've been able yeah we've been able to sort of pick on x-files episodes that have contributed to the dna of specific night stalker episodes and that's helped to construct an actual storyline but the sense of the show itself and the, the kind of the kind of lead characters i i don't feel that strongly certainly not yet mm. all right well i uh I guess that's where we'll leave it for this episode. Thank you for joining me, Simon. And listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle, at Fusion Patrol, or just send us an email at feedback at FusionPatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf.